Mainline Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez alongside Tyler Burton and Corbin Polson. And today we've got a lot to cover with postseason Diamond Sports uh, in full sight. And uh, we'll have some new betting odds for football to discuss as well. But before we get into things, how are you guys doing? Good. What's up, boys? How was y'all's weekend? It's always good when you get a series win. (laughs) Corbin, uh, abs still in the playoffs? I've swept the Predators, so we're on to round two. Very nice. Four up, four down. Get a nice little uh, rest, uh, especially when your goalie gets poked in the eye with a stick. So you know, Who, Who's next for y'all? Uh, they play the Wild or the Blues next. So I already got any, my game two tickets. So any preference? On a Tuesday. Any preference uh, on? Probably St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Very good. Adam, what are you doing? Just What's hanging up with out. You? Getting ready for baseball. <laughs> You got a pretty big day coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yep, yep. I think we're exactly ten days out from the wedding. Ooh, so, hey-o. yeah. Got those vows yeah. wrote yet? I don't think we're doing. We're not doing vows. <laughs> oh, no so, vows at all. I don't. Well, not like written Adams. Adams. <laughs> not uh, not ones that I have to write. Just the repeat after me type uh, oh, variety. So, uh, my contribution to the wedding. I've been I've been pretty involved with uh, the whole process, helping to plan and just being in there for what I can do, but my my biggest contribution was just not having it in the fall. And so I am proud of my no fall weddings stance, and I hope everyone uh, continues that going forward because it just makes life so much easier for everybody. Did you help make save the dates like I did? I just kind of want to know where I'm at on this playing field. Mm. Yeah, I helped. I helped with that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've uh, tried to be as helpful as possible, and pretty much I'm everything. pretty sure the envelope I got with that was in Adam's handwriting. So nice. that's true. Go. There That's true. Is. I hand wrote uh, some of the uh, the envelopes there. So, um, personal yeah. touch, <laughs> personal touch. <laughs> so, well, let's let's dive into softball here. Uh, wrapped up the uh, Big Twelve Championship this past weekend. Yeah, three up, three down, guys. Uh, Bedlam sweep, seven one six zero five three Thursday through Saturday. Uh, sweating it a little bit. We've talked about this team and how. Game threes, maybe they're not quite at their best. I think that was true again uh, against the Cowgirls. But guys, tell you what, I know I understand OU is going to play at home through the regionals and super regionals. But what a perfect way for Jocelyn Allo to finish her regular season career by hitting a walk-off grand slam to beat your in-state rivals. So uh, that was a, a special moment. So Big 12 champs, again, looking ahead to the uh, the Big 12 tournament this weekend. Sooners will take on the winner of Iowa State and Baylor, who play on Thursday. And the Sooners will play on Friday at 1 p.m. Central Time. And you would think they're going to be playing the winner of the other side of the bracket between Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, and that will be on Saturday at 2 p.m. Guys, a fun fact here. If the Sooners can go through the postseason and win a national championship uh, with less than three losses, They'd be the first champion with less than four losses since 1994. And if uh, they go through with even less than that, losing two or three games, at least according to the NCAA website, there's not been an NCAA champion that has had less than four losses. So history potentially in the making here, guys. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it again and again. I think we all can see this team losing a game. Do we see this team losing multiple times at any point? It's really hard to imagine that, but uh, the competition is definitely going to uh, increase to say the least. So uh, looking forward as far as, you know, who could potentially the Sooners be looking at uh, in the super regional matchup, 
Obviously, you'd be looking for somebody in the 16 seed range in the RPIs. Right now, you're looking at Washington 14, Texas 15, UCF 16, and Oregon 17. So, uh, obviously, I don't think they're going to put Texas in that 16 spot. Um, but, uh, but you know, Washington, Oregon, maybe some uh, some juicy matchups there in yeah, the Super a little, Regional. A little Melissa Lombardi coming back to Norman. That'd be no that'd be a lot of fun. Um, guys, I do kind of want to pose a question to you. Obviously, this team finished in the regular season 48 and one. Is it almost, is it a letdown if this team doesn't win a national championship based on how dominant they've been? Like, is it, is it national title or bust? Has to be. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think honestly, the number one overall seed is pretty much wrapped up at this. I don't think there's any way that they get that. They have a five game uh, difference in the loss column between who's ranked number two right now in Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, not a familiar name really in the the softball scene at all. So they're a little bit new there, but, uh, but yeah, it it almost feels like the scenario in basketball when you get to the conference tournament and Duke or Kansas is like, well, maybe they just lose in the first round and take the rest, but really OU only has to win two games. I think, is it right? Mm -hmm. Two to win the the Mm -hmm. conference. So yeah, that's nothing. Take that, stay in form and, and go rolling into the regionals of which you're probably not going to have that much competition at that level either. So it's not like you're resting up for anything. I, I I wouldn't think they care who they play in the finals, but maybe they'd want Texas again. I mean, you'd think just the competitor and you like they beat you last time on the field. You probably want another go. Yeah, but also at the same time, Texas's pitcher over the weekend, she was voted, you know, Big 12 player of the week. She was she was pretty dominant over the weekend. So uh, but yeah, you'd have to think as far as uh, the competitiveness within this team, you know, they would want to have a chance to, uh, you know, they they did right the wrong by, you know, winning on Sunday. But ultimately, you have a chance to knock, knock your arch rival Texas out of the Big 12 championship and win the conference tournament. Uh, You know, couldn't ask for anything more than that. Honestly, guys, it's you know, we're so accustomed to seeing it. Oklahoma's not going to have to leave the state of Oklahoma throughout the entire entirety of the postseason. So um, it, it's nice. It's going to be a, a true home field advantage, whether it's at Marita Hines or up the road in Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series, knock on wood. Uh, but, guys, just talking about the the Bedlam Series, you know, Jordy Ball was dominant on on Thursday, finally getting a chance to go up there in person and watch her. How, how this girl is as good as she is as only a freshman, I think that there's a very, very good possibility, uh, given the fact that she stays healthy. She has a chance to be one of the best pitchers, you know, not just in Oklahoma history, but I think has a chance to go down in softball history uh, as being one of the greatest pitchers of all time in terms of what she can accomplish. But um, I, I think that my biggest takeaway from what we saw on uh, over the weekend with Bedlam, um, I like to see a little bit of adversity, especially from the pitching staff. Um, you know, Jordy was dominant on Thursday. Hope Trotwine threw a really good game on Friday. Uh, fast forward to Sunday, Nicole May kind of came out, kind of came out the gates, struggled a little bit early on. Um, which I know that Nicole May, especially you, Corbin, we're talking about is Patty kind of saving her for the end. We haven't really seen too much of her. I was Trotwine. Uh, yeah. Or Trotwine. Okay. Yeah. So haven't really seen too much of Nicole May. She struggled early on. Ultimately, uh, Patty decided to put Hope in there. Hope didn't have it on Sunday. I think she walked three or four batters in a row. Mm-hmm. So, but the best part about it for me, aside from the Jocelyn home run on Saturday, was seeing Nicole May re-enter the game, being able to overcome, kind of find the strike zone, and she was dominant, was able to close out this, uh, the, the Sunday game for Oklahoma. So pitching is going to be a big deal for this team. Jordy can't do it on her own, so if you can have that number two and number three option, like you said, Adam, I, I don't see any team in college softball that's going to beat this team twice much less once. So you've got to pray that you get them on a, you get Oklahoma on a really bad day where they're not swinging the bats. Maybe the uh, starting pitchers not finding the strike zone and you've got to kind of play the game of your life. So um, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to Tiare Jennings. 
she's been incredibly dominant and the spotlight is on Jocelyn Allo for all the right reasons. She's the home run queen as it stands here, May 10th, 2022. But Tiara Jennings, as we tweeted about, I think it was about two weeks ago, she's actually pacing ahead of what Jocelyn Allo had done to this point in her career. Now, I believe it was the sophomore year for Allo where she took some time off from softball. Um, the, the, the very famous story that everyone likes to talk about. So maybe maybe that's why Jennings is ahead of her right now. But uh, you you look at next year and you know, hey, Allo's not going to be around. Who's going to be the ringer? And, and you spend about five seconds thinking that over. It's Jennings. She is just mm-hmm. crushing it over the fence constantly. So Will she get um, a COVID has, year? I don't, I don't think so, right? believe so. Great no, question. I believe the spring sports would have got, she would have had to been on the team that got the season canceled in 2020, oh, gotcha. which she was okay. not. So yeah. That'll yeah. Be, that'll so that'll be, be a little bit. Olo. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a little bit different um, because all is still adding to that total, but, right. um, but as it stands right now, um, she's outpacing and, her through the, the first two years. And kind of one more thing, not to forget Adam, you know, Kenzie Hansen, you know, kind of battling back from her injury um, that she suffered a little bit earlier this season. She's been kind of in a slump in the batter's box. I think they said during the broadcast, she's had like maybe one or two hits in her last 10 games. Um, so her being able to come up, you know, clutch in a big way, uh, you know, delivering that, I think it was a basis clearing double uh, mm-hmm. during that game on Thursday night. That's got to give her a ton of confidence. And, you know, she's a, she's a player that uh, you, you want to have in your lineup, um, you know, especially once we just do start to see, uh, some pretty dominant pitching from the UCLA's, the Florida State's, Virginia Tech's of the world. She's going to be a player that uh, you're going to have. You're going to want to have her swing in the bat uh, once Oklahoma gets into the postseason. So good for Kinsey Hansen. It's good to see her back, guys. To me, the the player of the weekend had to be Jana Johns, though. I mean, oh. she had a few incredible at bats to really Absolutely. stem the tide and get the momentum going for this OU team. So uh, she's not the the flashiest player. She's not going to be leading the team in home runs. But I tell you what. It probably wasn't a more important, uh, you know, two or three at bats throughout the weekend than what she had, mm-hmm. and uh, long pitch at bats, and uh, really came through when the Sooners needed it. Because there was a while there, especially on I think Thursday night, she she kind of stemmed the tide um, and uh, had a what fifteen pitch at bat or something like that. It was, it was 15, something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yep. Ends up getting a hit, and that was kind of when the the Sooners rallied behind her. Spark plug, one hundred percent. Adam. Adam? let's hear it man you've been waiting all season for this there's not i I uh... have been it it, it was kind of a weird series against tcu uh in baseball this past weekend the the team the bats were not necessarily alive tcu out hit ou in in several of the games but the tcu pitching staff really just could not throw strikes Uh, walk after walk after walk i think the uh i believe it was on sunday the the greatest example of this was kendall pettis um, usually hits eighth or ninth in the lineup, comes up, is hit by pitch, gets to first base, steals second, has a bulk, gets to third, wild pitch, uh, scores the run. Uh, no hits, and he made all the way around the base path. And that was a pretty common theme uh, against TCU. Uh, it started out a little bit rocky on Friday. TCU had their their usual Friday ace out with injury, so you thought, hey, this is the game that OU can steal. They get up on a on a big lead in the first inning and then TCU throws a reliever in there that can throw 75 plus pitches, something that OU just does not have coming out of the bullpen right now. And, uh, and TCU was able to get back in some questionable decision-making from skip as far as how long he left Jake Bennett in that one. Uh, but when you come back and you win Saturday and Sunday, it takes away some of that second guessing. So you, you feel really great about, Hey, you got a, a big series win over TCU uh, currently second in the conference. 
uh, is TCU and OU moves up to, to fourth with a real opportunity to move up even higher. Texas Tech is playing at OSU uh, this weekend. So if you think uh, definitely root for the pokes in that scenario, bump Texas Tech down and then OU can come to Lubbock the following week and have a chance to really beat up on Texas Tech as well. I think you do want to get up because we're starting to talk about Big 12 tournament mm-hmm. uh, standings and, and where that's going to go. So I think you definitely want to avoid being in that four seed as of right now where OU sits, because if you win that game, you're likely playing Oklahoma State in game number two. And I don't think that's a team that OU matches up with very well. So they're two and two on the year, though. That, that's true. You won two on the year and you had a game that you probably should have won in Stillwater. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm almost looking at the Big 12 tournament though and going I don't I'm not going to expect a whole lot from that scenario because you're likely playing four or five games in a weekend there starting Wednesday through Sunday if you're able to to go that far and I think that's going to be really tough on the pitching that we have uh, in a three game series I like my chances a lot better yeah you know when you see this team climbing the ranks you know finding their way into the top 25 for the first time this year sitting at number 24 it's kind of hard not to kind of sit back and think you know what if what could have happened you know if you know uh, the bullpen comes through you're able to take the series uh, which they had a really really good chance in Stillwater and you know against Texas as well down at Globe Life Field Uh, and then also thinking about the bullpen's performance against LSU earlier in their season if you win those two series you win that game against that SEC opponent you're talking seriously Adam I think about this team hosting a regional so um, I, I still don't think it's out of the possibility right now. It's kind of a long shot, but you know, ultimately this team, they've done all that they've been asked to do. They're playing baseball, uh, or, or excuse me, they're kind of peaking at the right time. Skip Johnson's done really, really good, taking care of both the Kansas schools, ultimately going on the road and knocking off TCU and Fort Worth. Um, it's a big one this weekend, I think, West Virginia. Um, you were in attendance last Friday. I'm, I'm going to be there this Friday as well to, to kind of check out what's going on. Um, but no, you take care of business against the Mountaineers this weekend. We'll see what happens against them in Lubbock, but um, this team's playing really, really good baseball right now, and they're kind of hitting their stride in t- time of season where it means the most. Adam, is this fool's gold? <laughs> you know, the the Kansas Oops. schools are, are fool's gold. The wins against Kansas and Kansas State are definitely that. TCU, they are a team that had built up quite a resume to get to that number two spot in the conference, but they are not playing their best baseball right now. Mm-hmm. So... I don't want to say that that series win is fool's gold because you go you know, on the road and do that to a team that's got a lot of talented players. I still think that's a solid quality win. I think if you can beat West Virginia this weekend, that's also a really solid quality win. West Virginia is kind of similar to OU in a lot of ways. They're about 500 on the road, basically the same that OU is. So uh, the expectation is OU should be able to take two or three against West Virginia. Um, that needs to be the standard at this point for what this team is looking to accomplish so far. And then if you beat uh, West Virginia, whatever you do on the road at Texas Tech, I honestly don't care at that point. I think you feel really good about how the conference season wrapped up. Um, We are starting to see OU marked at that two line on some of the uh, baseball tournament projections for the postseason. And I think that would be a really great accomplishment. But I do think that they're they're still still got some work to do. Uh, They can't just go out first round in the Big 12 tournament or go 0-3 against Texas Tech. Adam, this is kind of an open-ended question, but we've seen, you know, a pretty remarkable turnaround. Yes, it's against, you know, a little bit of inferior competition with the Kansas schools, but this baseball team has played really well over the last four to five weeks. What's been the biggest difference that we've seen from this team and kind of how they've grown up, um, you know, over the course of the last two months and what's got them playing so much better baseball right now uh, compared to earlier in the season back in, you know, late January, <laughs> late January, early February? 
think it's been a combination of offense and defense. Um, this team still continues to make some some head scratching decisions, both on the field and from the dugout, um, which is still strange. It's like, man, you, some of these mistakes are avoidable, and you feel that there could be a few more wins, especially series wins on this team's resume at this point. But early in the year, we had some pitching, but we didn't have the offense. Then we had offense, but not necessarily the bullpen. It's all starting to come together a little bit right now. So you've got uh, Kate Horton that's moved into that Sunday spot. That's moved Chaz Martinez into a, a longer reliever type role that um, makes you feel really solid about what could happen on Sunday. Although Martinez came in on Saturday and wrapped up uh, that entire game, uh, that win. So you only needed two pitchers on Saturday. And then this is my Adam's optimism more help coming from the bullpen. Uh, no midweek game this week. There is one Monday night game next week against Wichita State, but once you get into postseason, no midweek games. You've got all weekend series, so that adds another arm to the regular rotation on the weekend in Braden Carmichael, who has been the starter for most midweek games, and up until this past Tuesday when OU lost at Dallas Baptist, OU was undefeated on Tuesday and Monday nights, Wednesday nights, uh, midweek as a whole. So, I think that's a nice arm. He's he's played a little bit on weekends, but now he can play probably a little bit bigger role, a couple more innings uh, potentially from from him. So it's all coming together there as far as, hey, this team is getting stronger as the season goes on. And you feel really good about you know the hitting and where that stands right now. The base running is aggressive. You've got guys that can step up you know, one day and then another guy that can step in uh, you know, the next day. So y- you like where it can go. And I think probably the biggest encouragement I've seen Kendall Rogers uh, from D1 Baseball, probably the biggest name out there that follows and reports on college baseball, uh, had this to say about you. He had them as, as the team to watch right now, but he said could easily win a regional. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't go so far as to put OU as his uh, one of his top eight in Omaha, but could easily win a regional. That kind of blows my mind a little bit uh, because I've always had a little bit of a wait-and-see approach because I've been burned by OU baseball before. But that is encouraging there's a long way to go. They're peaking right now. Is this the end of the peak? I hope not. I hope they can continue to, to push forward. Adam, if I would have told you in February that we're sitting here second week of, uh, of May in Texas baseball is 11 and 10 in conference, your response would have been? That's shocking because Texas was <laughs> ranked number one going yeah. into the pre, uh, the preseason. Um, and I another little story that you kind of just reminded me of that uh, Toby has, has mentioned on the broadcast a few times this year is that there's like a, a brand new hotel that's attached to the Rangers ballpark down in Arlington. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it might be an Omni brand uh, hotel. Super nice. I think you can walk uh, from the hotel to the stadium without going outside. It's, it's pretty awesome. So the Big 12 Conference, I believe, is putting the top four teams uh, in that hotel for the Big 12 Tournament weekend. And Texas went ahead at the beginning of the year and said, we're not going to take our chances. We're going to go ahead and book our team in that hotel, even if we don't make the top four, which is kind of ironic because now they're not likely to make the top four. There's still two weekends left, but uh, Texas has really faded pretty hard at this point. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been unusual to see them them drop at this point. It's kind of nice talking about baseball right now. It yeah. is this week. <laughs> and and it I think with West Virginia, we'll – Knock on wood. We should that should be a series that OU should be able to win with the confidence yeah. and the way they're playing right now. So I know um, I know yeah. Adam at the beginning you said, you know, probably pulling for Oklahoma State against tech, but like OU's two games out. Aren't you kinda you like go pulling, for first? Pulling, yeah. for, pulling for tech and then be like, We'll take we'll take our chances, you know, when we when we play tech here and you know, next week. I guess so. I mean, that's yeah, that's another way to look at it. I I didn't get past that 
next person up on the ladder, I was like, man, just knock out Texas Tech because they're right ahead of you there. You play to um, win the game, Adam. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, so, so yeah, baseball things are going well. Football things are are slowing down a little bit as we mm-hmm. hit into the the heat of the off season. And it is getting hot out here in Oklahoma, over 90 degrees last couple of days. So, you know, it's the dog days of summer. We're probably, you know, a few weeks away from everyone starting to do the 100-day countdown with every player jersey, the things that, like, we're just grasping for something to talk about. But there were a couple of notable things that happened in football land, two new transfers that have committed to OU. Let's start with the more notable one here. I guess uh, just one, actually, the the only transfer, Davis Bevel, the more notable addition at this point, the Pittsburgh transfer, likely the second-string quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question about that. Seems like that's about as good as OU could do for what they were asking there. It, it definitely solves a huge problem um, that Oklahoma had, you know, especially we, we knew going into the spring game, you know, what's the backup quarterback p- position going to look like? Fast forward to about 30 minutes after the spring game, kind of confirmed what we already knew. You know, after Dylan Gabriel, there's really not much on Oklahoma's roster right now in terms of, you know, somebody that you can rely on. You know, God forbid Dylan Gabriel gets hurt, somebody that can come in and, you know, keep the train on the on the tracks. Uh, but no, the, you're talking about a guy six foot six, 235 pounds, three years of eligibility left. Um, you know, you are. Uh, uh, you have to realize, guys, that Oklahoma wasn't going to go into the transfer portal and grab a guy, you know, super elite talent to come in just to be the backup. You know, we saw we saw guys like Jerry Bohannon. There were a few other guys that kind of came in the portal. Um, Jackson Dart was one. He, we all knew that Dylan Gabriel was going to be the starter. You weren't going to get somebody to come in uh, and you know be the second string quarterback. But uh, I think that Davis is a he's, he's a guy that you can rely on. Ultimately, doesn't have a tremendous amount of experience, but he has played in some key games does have more snaps under his belt than any other quarterback on the Oklahoma roster besides Dylan Gabriel. Uh, and Adam, you should know better than anybody. He had a really good performance in the Peach Bowl against Michigan State last year, uh, going 14 of 18 for 149 yards and one touchdown. So he was sacked seven times in the game. We're going to we're gonna discount that part. He should have a really good offensive line playing in front of him. Uh, but uh, I think if you're Jeff Levy and Brent Venables, you, you got the right guy, and uh, I think this will be a good fit for him. Do we know for sure that this is the number two guy? I mean, he like he has such little film, and there is nothing outside the fact that he was a previous four star. Which, hell, guys, we've had plenty of four stars who have not worked out here well at the University of Oklahoma. So, I don't think you can just shoo him into a backup quarterback role. There's not enough there. Micah Bowens uh, is still on on campus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say the combination of the fact that he has actually played a college snap, and I I can't recall if Micah Bowens has or not. I mean, if he has, not a, it hasn't not a meaningful one. Yeah, yeah, not not too many meaningful ones, whereas Bevel at least has done that. Now, he was actually the third-string quarterback at Pitt last year, so he kind of had some good fortune go his way to get into that Peach Bowl there. But he, he did all right, so he has some experience. He's got a pedigree. His offer list coming out of high school for a four-star was not super impressive. I think Clemson offered him, Virginia Tech offered him. and It wasn't like the who's who of the Power Five, so he was definitely a lower four-star as far as what you could ask for this particular position, you you can't really, I mean, there's not a whole lot in the portal at this point. And all those guys are in the portal because they want to play. They, they weren't going to be able to play where they are. So this is a great get to be able to get someone that knows that they're probably not the starter. They may not be the starter next year either. They, they may not have a starting role at all at OU. Um, But to me, can he fill the role of, you know, Joey Halsley or Drew Allen type, um, of a name there that was just a solid backup that you felt okay about if you needed him in an emergency scenario. Yeah, I think I feel I feel all right about that. 
I, I view the situation, Adam, as he's a serviceable back backup, serviceable backup, and I hate to say it because he's got three years of eligibility left, but he's the perfect bridge gap for the next year to allow Jackson Arnold to get on campus for for twenty twenty three. So, um, I, I so think, you think that, he starts next year if Gabriel goes no. pro. Or okay. I think Jackson Arnold your starting quarterback in twenty twenty three as a true freshman. As a true freshman. Wow, that's bold. yeah. Can we clip this, Adam, just to, you know, hold in our back pocket? I don't think that's crazy because Arnold could be the highest non-five-star quarterback in that particular class. But And they think he could be a five-star by the time his senior season's over with. That's he not is on ESPN, right? Isn't he a five-star on ESPN? Who looks uh, at ESPN? I'd have to go <laughs> back and check. I know, he's a, I know he's a four-star on Rivals in 247, but he's, yeah. he's about as close to being a five-star as you can be. Um, without it without actually I'd almost I, I don't him, think that's too far out there I, I don't think that's crazy it's tough it's there's very few guys like Caleb Williams that are just going to come in and you know be a dude even if you are a high four star there's a lot of five stars that are not that guy either and are we realistically expecting that Dylan Gabriel is going to go pro after one year I don't know that's a great I just question. don't see it I, I don't see it I mean I guess I think that from a talent standpoint, I think that he definitely has the capability. Um, we'll just see if he can put up the numbers in Jeff Levy's offense to, you know, kind of raise his draft stock. But I mean, he's he's kind of undersized. Yes, he is mobile, but he's not super fast like a Russell Wilson or a Kyler Murray. So uh, we'll, we'll see what he can do this year. You know, now that he, this will be the best, you know, skill talent, best, you know, playmaker surrounding him that he's ever had in his, you know, in his football career. So we'll see what he can do. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, you know, Jackson Arnold could step in day one next year, especially if he is an early enrollee, early enrollee and compete for that starting job. So you think Evers transfers out? Uh, I, uh, I wouldn't I mean, if Arnold's the starter. It, it depends how it depends how they want to handle it. You know, are they going to take the Lincoln Riley approach where it's going to be a quarterback battle until four days before the season, or um, you know, are they going to pull a Dave Aranda and prior to the transfer portal deadline, they're going to announce a starting quarterback and give the backup kind of an opportunity to you know find an, find another opportunity elsewhere. I don't know. It's it's super far out, but I don't see how that quarterback battle, theoretical battle between Arnold and Evers next spring is solved at this point because Evers will have a full year to, you know, leg up on the offense on Mm -hmm. just being in college and so forth. So I just don't see that separation happening at that point. Yeah. Well, Adam, we did get a uh, recruit for the class of 2023, um, three-star safety at a life Christian Academy in Chester, Virginia. Uh, Mr. Caleb Spencer guys, what do we think about this? Number five for the uh, class of 2023. We can have safeties. That's what I think. There you go. (laughs) I, I don't I, I don't want to hate on the kid, but with three stars, I kind of have a wait and see approach with them, especially ones that are, you know, ranked at 5.6 on rivals. He's got the frame, but pretty much every three star you can look at and find something that you like. He's got the frame. He's got the speed. He's got this. He's got that. Like every high school recruit has something going for them. They're dominating it, you know, in their particular level of high school football uh, with their team. So there's a reason they're being recruited. And with Venables, you do give him the benefit of the doubt as far as him developing guys, identifying guys, because he's had an incredible defense pretty much mm-hmm. every year he's coached, you know, college football. But I guess with, with with there being thousands and thousands of three-star recruits out there, I just have to kind of reserve my level of excitement for recruiting for the top 250, the four-stars, the five-stars. And 
the three star is the lowest commit that we really get at OU. So I have to reserve judgment a little bit. It's tricky because you watch his huddle tape and the level of competition when you look at some of the other players that are around him, uh, especially opponents. It's not the highest level of competition. I think it's I think it's private school football, uh, for for lack of a better word. You know, most fans are going to see three stars next to his name and immediately think, you know, oh boy, or you know, this. I guess this is just another guy that we're just going to have to take because you know he's a warm body at, at a position of need, but. You know, th- this kid had offers from Michigan State, Mississippi State, Penn State, South Carolina, Tennessee. So, um, and then Adam, I think you hit the nail on the head. You've got to trust the evaluation of the coaching staff. If there's one coach that knows defense in college football, it's Brent Venables. So if he, if Venables is willing to extend an offer to him, he must think he, you know, he fits what Venables and Ted Roof are going to want to do. So trust the evaluation. And like you said, Corbin, six foot three, two hundred ten pounds at safety, um, not not too shabby. Guys, I think the offer list matters. And which of those teams are we competing with to like to get to that national elite level? Not one of them. Penn State would be the closest. I don't I'd think Penn State's. I'd say South Carolina and Tennessee are closer than Penn State is. I, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, it's just, just, just I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's telling though, guys. I mean, I, th- I do think the offer list matters. And especially if you're going to take a guy who is a three star guy, like. It does. I think rightfully so. It should give OU fans just a little bit of pause. So hopefully we're all wrong. The the one thing is, is you guys are both correct. The the frame is there for him to be an elite college safety. Will that eventually play out? Only time will tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like the range for a three-star is stud hall of fame, NFL player or guy that washes out and, you know, transfers. And even a guy with Venable's track record, you can't hit on 100% of your three stars, even with, with him. So there's always risk, but you do have to trust him at this point to say, hey, he's going to get the most out of him. Whether that's he's the next Roy Williams or he's DTY or he's, you know, Bryson Washington up to this point in his career. We'll see if he's ever able to make an impact. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a good to get a, a commit because it's been such a, a dry time. And that's just the new recruiting a philosophy that Venables implements here. So it's good to get a commit, but hard to get super, super excited about uh, a three-star from Virginia at this point. So I need to say can, one thing, and I hope it doesn't ruffle any feathers to people who listen or any recruits out there, but can we please stop with like quote tweeting a recruit saying like, we're not done yet. Like no shit. We're not done yet. We've got five guys in this class and <laughs> it's, we're it's done. In, it's in five. early May. <laughs> Like, please stop saying that. I don't know if I've got a bigger pet peeve right now on Twitter than when I see that. Like, we're not done yet. Well, like, dear God, I hope not. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> I, I love it. Pretty much everything that recruits tweet and the fanboys tweet with recruits is all a pet peeve of mine. They're all yeah. stupid sayings. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to go back and find who the last three-star defensive back that actually panned out at Oklahoma. For some reason, I thought Tony Jefferson was a three-star, but it Pat, looks like he was Pat a Fields. four. Wasn't DTY a three-star? Let's see here. Buki was a five-star, so he doesn't count. <laughs> Did he get drafted? He's he, a free he agent with yeah, the Bengals. With the team. Yeah. He's not going to. I mean, he's a good guy. He'll, he'll, he'll be like a player personnel director or recruiting coordinator somewhere in a college scene. He'll, he'll make some good money in college football. I'm just, I'm just trying point. to picture him covering Jamar Chase in practice. Maybe that's just just what they need. He can, yeah, DTY or something. 
DTY was a th- was a three star. Five ten yeah. one sixty out of high school. Yeah, yeah I think he, I think yeah, he, Trey he turned out pretty well. Yeah, Trey, Trey Norwood, Norwood yeah. starting safety for the for the Steelers. So yeah, it's definitely possible. And like we said, trust the evaluation, trust the coaching staff. There's not a better defensive mind, or you know, I probably would even take a step further. There's not a better uh, development or a I was going to say development, or that's not even a word. There's not a coach out there that's been better and has a more proven track record at developing talent, especially safeties, than Brent Venables. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Adam, one thing that is interesting are the Big 12 championship odds that were released yesterday. Uh, what'd you come up with on that? Yeah. Um, Texas basically doubled their odds. They're, I guess, improved their odds by double in order mm-hmm. of winning the Big 12 championship this year. Going from five and seven to Big 12 champions would be quite the leap. Although I would say that if there's one program that has such a wide variance there, it is Texas. They could be absolutely terrible or they could make the the conference championship game. They've certainly got the talent. It really all comes down to how good is Quinn Ewers really. Um, he's, he's the starter, right? There's no debate, right? Uh, I mean, if you go by NIL and dollar figures, yeah, he's probably got to be the starting quarterback week one. Um, you know, that would almost feel no... like a, a suicide move for, uh, uh, yeah, for Sark to go with Hudson card over. Quinn yeah. Rivers. But I mean, yeah. if, if you look at what people like Anwar Richardson or Jeff Ketchum, you know, they've had a chance to, you know, check out practices. They've been pretty vocal about the fact that Hudson card has been, you know, just as good most days, if not better than Quinn. Yeah, that, and guys, let's not forget Quinn. You... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that is the day and age we live in. But, guys, let's not forget, Quinn Ewers hasn't thrown a single snap or hasn't thrown a single pass in college football. So, yeah, I think, Adam, you do make a good point. A lot of it does rely on his shoulders. They've got the, He's got the talent around him. I mean, you know, B. John Robinson, Keelan Robinson, that's probably the, you know, best running back duo in the Big 12. Um, and then Jordan Addison is on a visit right now to Texas. I mean, just imagine what they what he would do. He <laughs> going to Texas. The only reason I would give that uh, any any thought is because his former wide receiver coach at Pitt is now the wide receiver coach at Texas. So there's at least some form of possibility. If he goes to Wisconsin, then we'll know <laughs> so it's a matter of time before he ends up in Pasadena. Caleb Williams' best friend in high school, his dad's yeah. at Wisconsin. So like that makes sense. I think Lincoln Riley can't get over the fact of still messing with Texas, which just the slightest part of me like appreciates just a tad. Even if that kid does end up at USC, you still look at what Texas has, you know, receiver, you know, mm-hmm. Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Neor from Wyoming, Ajaya Hall from, you know, Alabama. I, I think, you know, ultimately it does kind of come down to Quinn Ewers, but guys, let's not forget Texas's offensive line is going to be a huge liability, especially early on in the year. Let's not forget they couldn't even hold a traditional, you know, spring game format because they didn't have enough depth on offensive line. I think they've got six or seven true freshmen that are going to be showing up here in about a month or so, but – uh, I, I don't know. T- in terms, Adam, you you posed this question on Twitter a little bit earlier. Did we get any good responses from it? This kind of ties into Texas. Yeah, we did. And um, if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure to do that at the Mainline Pod, and uh, we'll discuss some of your your thoughts on here. I I kind of posed the question as far as because OU is the betting favorite right now, uh, seven to four odds as far as uh, winning the Big Twelve conference uh, lower odds than what they had at this point last year obviously because you thought everyone thought OU was a super team uh, but still the favorite going into this season and I was curious if people thought Texas was the biggest threat at this point and we got a lot of uh, takes as far as hey yeah it's the same old Texas they're 
you know, going to fall on their face. I did like what Ben Thorpe have to, had to say as far as uh, Texas is like an F1 car racing on your local asphalt track, but the driver is an eight-year-old and it's towing a charter bus. <laughs> I just thought that was perfect because the Texas football program is towing a charter bus. Um, that's a, it's a great analogy. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Texas is the, the biggest threat here. I think, like I said all last year, I don't think Iowa State is the biggest threat. I think it's the field because there's always so many different teams that can rise and fall. And if you had to ask me right now, I, I don't think it's Baylor, Oklahoma State. I think it co- comes from outside of that. I love the odds that K-State is getting right now. 50 to 1, the second lowest odds uh, across the board. But they've got Adrian Martinez. They've got Deuce Vaughn. They've got Malik Knowles coming back, the guy that that ran the kickoff back against OU last year to give us a near heart attack there at the end of the game in Manhattan. Uh, they've got uh, Felix and Udike uh, Uzoma, the guy that uh, set the or tied the NCAA record, I believe, for sacks in a game against TCU. So they've got some guys there in Manhattan. It just needs to all come together. I think their schedule works out a little bit nicer. I like what uh, what the Wildcats have going on. Why do we do this to K State every year? We have the same conversation every offseason, like, oh, K State, oh, look out for K State sleepers. Like, K State hasn't done anything in the recent past, what is it about K-State that we continue to kind of hype them up for? They're consistent. They're third in the Big 12 and overall record in the last decade, right behind OU and Oklahoma State. So I think there's consistency there, but they don't ever go to the extremes, really. They're not 4-8, and eight, but they're not 10-2 and two either. They're just kind I, of solid 7-5 and five every year. I, I think another reason why a lot of people, you know, are very optimistic about what Kansas State could possibly do this year, especially being at 50-1 to 1 odds, is pretty good. You know, that's definitely a team that you would want to take a flyer on uh, if, you know, you were out in Vegas wanting to put some money on it. But I think one reason why you got to be optimistic about Kansas State is, you know, kind of the veteran experience, you know, within this football team. Like you mentioned, Adrian Martinez has played a ton of football. Uh, you know, he kind of replaces what Skylar Thompson did. Very, very similar skill set. Maybe a little bit better passer. Uh, Deuce Vaughn they've got a uh, I think they've got four of their five offensive line returning you know they're always a pretty scrappy defense up there in Manhattan but I, I and I guess number two a reason would be uh, you know K-State being you know someone that's highly thought of quarterback position in the Big 12 play I don't think I can't remember the last the last time going into a season where there's so much uncertainty right now um, you know Dylan Gabriel uh, at Oklahoma Quinn Ewers at Texas Spencer Sanders I guess Spencer Sanders is you know, returning all Big 12 quarterback, that's, you know, that's the best quarterback in the Big 12 uh, if you go by the votes. But, you know, that one too. <laughs> but yeah, Blake Shapin at, at Baylor. Um, Iowa State's going to be interesting as well. You know, they're starting a true freshman quarterback, um, you know, Rocco Beck, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's the most, you know, highly touted recruit that, uh, um, that uh, Iowa State has had at the quarterback position, even higher rated than than Brock Purdy. But no, I, I think the Kansas State is one that you ought to be willing to take a flyer on. We'll kind of see how it goes as far as their schedule is. Um, but I've got one other team in mind that Adam you kind of disregarded. But Corbin, I'll throw this over to you to see if you can kind of steal the thunder here. Is it TCU? No. No. TCU and Iowa State would be the ones I'd I'd put my eyes on. To me, this screams like a Matt Campbell redemption year where he's going to be flying under the radar, maybe not have the best team, but he's going to rally the troops. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to go out and win the title, but I I, I do expect them to be competitive. Um, And so, yeah, I would would, I I, Iowa State there. Um, And then as far as TCU, you just to to me, I'd I'd always put my money on TCU faster than I would K-State just because the sheer vicinity of where they're located. That team, it, it's not that different. Um, on a, it is on a smaller scale than what Texas is in a sense that 
they're in a, like just a hotbed of talent and they haven't been able to really get over that hump for probably the exclusion of making the big 12 championship a few years back. So um, you would think at some point that just the TCU would become a power, especially right now in the terms of NIL and how much money that school has, but they've yet to do it. So, um, you know, those would be I, the two I would, I, I would, I more than anything. I think the TCU is a program uh, that, you know, part of the new big 12, I think that that's a program that kind of has the most, you know, most opportunity to gain once Oklahoma and Texas leave the conference, you know, them kind of being able to uh, take a step up and be one of the top two or three teams in this conference on a consistent basis. But, you know, I, I hate to, I hate to say it, um, but I, I'm kind of liking Baylor a little bit this year, you know, given that the odds right now, uh, they've got the fourth highest odds to win the Big 12 at 15 to two. I think that's a plus 750 playout. Um, Blake Shapin coming back as the quarterback. You know he uh, won the Big 12 championship for him last year against Oklahoma State. Very difficult schedule for them starting off early on. Um, I think that that's both good and bad. Uh, they're going to have two road trips within the first four weeks to BYU and Iowa State. Uh, followed by a game against Oklahoma State. So they've got an opportunity to start out the year, maybe 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh if they get really, really lucky. Um, this is hands down going to be the best offensive line in the Big 12 this year. They've got all five guys back. And even though they did lose a good amount of talent and experience off that defense down in Waco, if there's one thing that we know is, you know, you can trust Dave Aranda. He's going to be able to get the most out of his guys on the defensive side of the football. So I think that Baylor and Kansas State would be the two teams if I was uh, if I was a betting man wanting to take a flyer on a couple schools that could jump up and surprise uh, Oklahoma and Texas this year. K-State has the exact same odds to win the Big 12 this year that Baylor did last year. Ooh. Just something just something to keep in mind. The uh, the next two on the list that we haven't really mentioned are Texas Tech and West Virginia. They both have the same odds at 40-1. to 1. I realized today the only West Virginia player I can name is the newest addition, which is JT Daniels, and it's debatable whether he's a dude that still has something to give and just hasn't had the full opportunity or if he's washed up at this point, we'll, we'll see. And then Texas tech who they've got Donovan Smith who finished the year pretty solid, a young guy at quarterback. They've got Sir Roderick Thompson. That's back. They've also still got Tyler Shuck, the uh, Oregon transfer that got hurt pretty early in the pre in the uh, non-conference slate last year for them. So could he be a guy that comes in and elevates them and could the whole you know Joey McGuire effect have the same type of effect that we're looking at with Brent Venables and the buy-in from the players that we see currently? That's interesting. Um, it just it feels so wide open. Other than Kansas, I you wouldn't shock me if any of these teams won uh, the Big Twelve or at least played in the the conference title game. It, it wouldn't shock me. I, I think that Texas Tech might be a little bit of a reach in terms of being in contention for the Big Twelve. Yes, they've got some good skill talent. We saw some good things from Donovan Donovan Smith towards the end of the year. But guys, looking at Texas Tech's schedule right out of the gate, Houston at NC State, Texas at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State. Brutal. <laughs> pretty damn tough if yeah. you're Joey McGuire starting out in Lubbock. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I definitely think, though, in terms of a recruiting standpoint, and like we said with TCU, once Oklahoma and Texas move out of there, Joey McGuire has very, very deep roots and really good connections within the state of Texas in terms of coaching uh, and recruiting high schools. Texas Tech, you know, watch out for them being a player in the Big 12 for years to come. Guys, before we move on, um, and since we're on the betting topic, either one of you get a chance to look over kind of opening lines uh, for week one? I didn't. I saw that you sent the text. You put it's it in okay. the group It's okay. Don't look. This will be helpful, okay. actually. Don't look. Okay. Um, all right. So play this out, and let's see how accurate Tyler can be with his lines. These are FanDuel oh numbers, by the way. So uh, Utah, Florida. 
September 2nd, what would you put the line at? Where's it at? That's a great question. That's got to be, I believe that's it's gotta be neutral Florida. site, right? I believe it's in Florida, and I I may know the number. Is it at so Florida? Hang on. Or is it in Gainesville? Well, up. I mean, it's, it's a home game regardless. Uh, it's in Gainesville. I'll I, say, I bet, yeah, go ahead, Adam. I would take the Utes minus three. I was going to say Florida minus four and a half. Florida minus two and a half. Oh, get okay. things started. Uh, Notre Dame at Ohio State. Ohio State minus mm. minus ten and a half. Oh, I'd go higher. I go eighteen and a half. Ohio State. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit in the middle there. So uh, Ohio State minus thirteen and a half. Uh, Oregon, Georgia. That's oh. interesting. That's where's it at? Isn't it? It's got to be in. That's got to be in the Peach Bowl, right? Hang on. Yeah, that that seems like that would make the most sense. And this one's interesting because Oregon. Bo Nix replacing their quarterback potentially Bo with Nicks. Bo Nix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's Chick, Chick-fil-A uh, kickoff game. But how hungover is Georgia from winning the title? Great and question. how many new guys though talented are making their very first starts and some of their you know first playing time there? Georgia minus nine and a half. That's probably where I would go. Georgia minus 16 and a half. Wow. It's a lot of of points. Uh, Florida State FSU. You said Florida State FSU? Yeah. Or excuse me, Florida State LSU. Excuse me. Sorry. They're the same team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Put a number on that one. Is that Baton Rouge? (laughs) That is. I'm looking at this now. That's got to be a neutral site. Yeah, that's uh, Superdome. That should be in New Orleans. Um, That's interesting, too, because LSU is not super strong. They've. Yeah. Who knows who it, they're going to start at quarterback? They've got Jane Daniels, options. right? Yeah, Jane Daniels. They got Miles right? Brennan still. They've got Max Johnson, right? Or did he? Or was he the one that transferred to A and M? No, Max Johnson Max transferred, Johnson transferred. A&M. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah. They, there's like a carousel of quarterbacks going around the SEC. Yep. If it's in, if it's at Superdome, I'm going to say LSU minus minus thirteen. I was going to go twelve and a half. So I was right there. LSU minus four and a half. Very low. Ooh, line. I think I would take the Bengals on that one, the Bayou Bengals. Let's yeah. shift. Let's shift to week two because I think there's a couple good matchups to uh, to connect on here. Um, let's keep it the Big Twelve. Iowa State at Iowa. Oh God, uh, Iowa minus. Uh, that, that's the thing. It's always a lo- it's always a one possession game. Yeah. Uh, Iowa minus three. I was going to say minus five. Six and a half. Iowa minus six okay. and a half. Okay. Uh, Alabama at Texas. Alabama minus. It's in Austin. That's not going to make a difference. <laughs> Alabama minus 17. I was going to say minus 10 and a half. Minus 14 and a half. Uh, take okay. Alabama. We're I think, We're I think Alabama is going to, is going to just destroy them. There's one more. I, Hang I on. Hope so. That I offensive hope. line against Will Anderson. Oh my God. Granted, that these, a couple of these are in week two, but uh, uh, USC at Stanford might as well. <laughs> Stanford's got a good quarterback. A lot of people talking about him. Uh, Tanner McKee maybe may, being uh, top pick in the NFL draft uh, next year. Got to be USC minus eight and a half. I was going to say USC minus six and a half. Minus eleven and a half. Wow. It's, big, it's a big line for a, for a team like Stanford. That's a big line. Uh, okay, last Baby. two here. Miami at AM in week three. Oh, that's going to be a good game. Mm. 
Um, I'll say A and M minus five and a half. I would go higher. I'd probably go nine and a half. Ooh, Adam, minus nine. Ooh. And then last one. Actually, hang on. There's actually two more. I saw this one. Penn State at Auburn, September seventeenth. Okay. Ooh. Is Sean Clifford still the quarterback at Penn State, or is okay. I believe graduate? So. Oh, we did. He didn't get drafted. I don't know. Yeah, he probably is because his name never came up at all. Yeah. Fine. Whereas I was, I was going to pick Auburn anyway, but that makes a difference on how much. Yeah, I think he's he's still at uh, still at Penn State. Did was Sean he not Clifford the graduate? Was he not the quarterback that was starting his own kind of like NIL firm that Something was going like to be? That. I know that there was a Penn State quarterback that was doing that. Yeah, he's still there. It was Micah Bowens. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, I'll say Auburn minus eight. Um, I'll, I'll do a pick uh, Adam, Penn State minus one. So Adam's right on line there. All right, last one here. Oklahoma at Nebraska. I've seen this one, so I can't answer. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh dear, 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 dear. I'm gonna say OU minus OU minus five. OU minus four. There you go. Okay. The best one. Okay. There. Uh, thought that was thought that was fun. Just kind of get uh, opening lines uh, list here. You know, those are gonna shift a lot. But Tyler, wrap us up here. Lots of golf to talk about this week. Yeah, postseason play for both the men's and the women's team. Uh, the OU women's uh, finished the second round of the NCAA Albuquerque Regional earlier today. Uh, as a team, they currently sit in ninth place with a score of 26 over par. Uh, Oklahoma has 18 more holes to try and improve their place in the standings. But guys, as it sits right now, uh, their season is most likely going to come to an end tomorrow. Uh, and then as far as the men's side goes, they're kind of, uh, kind of in a wait-and-see moment right now. We're waiting for the regional play at Jimmy Austin to kick off uh, next Monday, that's going to be a three-day tournament, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, OU is the number one overall seed in, in, in the NCAA postseason for college golf. So uh, this is going to be a, a big opportunity. If there's, one thing, if there's one thing that matters in golf, being able to play on your home course, uh, a course that you practice play on no better than your competition, no matter how many practice rounds they get in, um, that, that, that goes a long way in terms of overall success of your team. So I think that um, – Oklahoma men's golf is set up very, very well to make a real to make a really deep run in the postseason play. So uh, it is going to be interesting. Texas was kind of a top five program all, all year long, and they found their way as the number two seed in this regional. So the mm-hmm. OU is going to have some tough competition on their home course, but we'll see what Ryan Hibble's team can do, uh, and that all kicks off at Jimmy Austin next Monday. Hopefully, conditions are better than they were today. Yeah, uh, very, very hot, very windy. Uh, but yeah, yeah Norman, Norman North won the 6A state title uh, at Jimmy Austin today with two, or I think two OU signees were on the course today, one from Evan North, one from Norman North. So nice. um, Oklahoma, really, really good school, or a really good state when it, when it comes to uh, young talent uh, in the golfing world. So, And we got the PGA coming up here in a couple weeks. I just want to see another video from the social media account with the golf team in the private jet holding the trophy, just 
vibing out. I would love to see that. That was that was pretty cool. So um, that's about as much as I can contribute to golf. To golf, I'm kind of like Corbin with baseball. So I was proud of myself. I got two questions in on the baseball. You so were, yeah. yeah. Hey, there's a lot to pay attention to in baseball. Um, things are, are looking up. Everyone's got an optimism segment to to contribute at this point. So this is not OU related, but guys, is there anybody in the world living better than Tom Brady right now? After what got released today, are you kidding me? Making, making more money as an announcer than a player. <laughs> Would you not just hang it up right uh, now? I don't no. know. He's already I, he's got the contract in place. So somebody tweeted out he went home and started reeling what re- realizing what uh, real life was with you know a supermodel wife and I don't know how many kids have. He's like, nope. yeah, t- yeah, tough shit. Gonna, gonna yeah. go back out to the football field. Oh, that really does suck. <laughs> yeah. It's just like Dustin Johnson on the PGA married to Paulina Gretzky. Okay. He misses the cut. Okay. Let's not hey, feel bad. I'm just, I'm it's, just proud. You said Gretzky on the podcast. It's the most hockey thing you've said. I think in the entirety of this podcast. Well, my, my stars are dead in the water. So yes, they I'll, are. Uh, I could guess be I'll root for the abs. You guys are two, two. How are you dead it's in the water? Not, it's not looking good, though. I, I watched <laughs> a little. Too, too. I watched. A, yeah, but we, we don't have. We'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm not banking on it too much. But, You've already uh, taken one on the road. You can win up in Calgary. Like, come I on now. Feel, I just don't feel good about it. Well, I mean, I'd love it if they lost. I don't. I'm not a Stars fan, so. Well, you can see us in the Western Conference Finals, maybe. That would be great content for the podcast. Yeah, Yeah. I'd love to hear all your stars' hot takes, since I know you're really following them. Yeah, I I keep up with that religiously, (laughs) so we can can dive into that. Might have to make a trip up to Denver. Dude, um, like I said, I've got pre-sale. Hey, we can get the trophy there. That'd be nice. Yeah, let's talk about that, since uh, uh, we're on bets there. It's right there. You haven't even sent it. I haven't sent it. I got it back. I've got the address. It is. It's not in route yet, though. Yes, you got it, it back. Here. So you did actually try to send it. I did actually try to send it. Okay, and it so it I was a wrong. It was a wrong address. Week. Okay, I'll, I'll for those who need context tomorrow. here, this is from our <laughs> bet segment. Not last month. Not two months ago. But yeah. back in the fall during football season, when we do our bets against the spread that Corbin won, he has still not received the trophy. Tyler has made a lot of excuses and lies about getting it to him. So hopefully uh, this is a level of bitterness in losing that I've never experienced. Just to like hold somebody's trophy for ransom. I, I paid just, for, I just don't, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, you can say all you want that you paid for it and it shipped. And like the first time I bring it up after that, it's like sitting on your desk. <laughs> I, would like to, of, I would like to point ahead. out that in the two years that we've been doing this podcast, Tyler is, Oh, and two in the bet segment. He's lost to both myself and Corbin in back-to-back seasons. So, third time's the charm potentially. No chance. Do do I no chance? Just yeah. go <laughs> ahead and pay. Do I just go ahead and pay the shipping to send it out there, knowing that it's going to be coming back to me? You know, overnight like shipping, please. Overnight, okay. Overnight, okay. yeah. I'll do that. I'll, I'll definitely make sure that the address is right. If I'm if you win, ship. I would have the trophy to you on time. That's the difference. Yeah, but the problem is it's got 2021 <laughs> champion on it, so we'll have to scratch out that one and turn it into a two. That's fine. Um, I can take care of that out here. We've got some people out here that can take care of that. Yeah, you know, I, do some I like edits. that we pretty much just guaranteed Adam's not going to be getting it next year. <laughs> the, so The truth is that Tyler lost all his money on his bets and has no money to ship it to, to Colorado. Could be true. Yeah. This could be true. Yeah. So taking a page out of the uh, Phil Mickelson book. So. <laughs> Well, hey, if you made it this far in the podcast, uh, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a, su- a subscribe on there so you don't miss any podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Mainline Pod. 
And uh, definitely check out our YouTube uh, channel as well. We'll have some segments from the pod on there as well. We've got some other content that's non-podcast related in the works that we hope to drop here in the future. So greatly appreciate everyone listening and we will see everyone again next week.